horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks so much for joining us again here on Winning Ponies. I hope you're listening live. If you're not, after the show, make sure you tell your friends it was a good one. I'm sure it will be. And uh, that all these shows are on podcast, so you can go back through time and see how our predictions went uh, over the years and uh, some of the great guests you may have missed in the past. So don't forget, all these shows are on podcast. Okay, this week uh, we have uh, two gentlemen, one a regular, and one that hasn't been with us since, I believe, uh, 2014, and that's none other than author and excellent photographer Rick Capone. Now, Rick has uh, a new book out called Celebrating Old Friends, Stories from Kentucky's Thoroughbred Retirement Farm. You may recall when I talked to him back in 2014, he had uh, kind of written the, the, the first edition of this book, and uh a lot has happened at Old Friends since then, and so he's updated it with some great photos, um, updates on the new horses that uh, have have been retired to the farm, uh, some uh, photos you've never seen before, some great ones, and uh, he's going to share the stories uh, with us uh, about about the new book. As a matter of fact, if you happen to be in the Louisville area tomorrow and you want to stop by the Kentucky Derby Museum, because Rick and Michael Blowen, who operates Old Friends, will be there with the book doing a book signing. Two great guys uh, to, to, to hang out with. So Rick Capone will be our first guest. Our second guest is none other than award-winning journalist and good handicapper, Tom Lamara. As you know, Tom who for the longest time was the news editor at the Blood Horse, has kind of moved into the Mid-Atlantic region where he's taken on some new duties uh, promoting racing there. And it's a pretty big day at Laurel. Uh, we've got uh, several restricted races for Maryland breads and some that are not restricted, uh, but uh, quite a few uh, stakes races there. So we're going to look at those stakes races at Laurel Park with our friend Tom Lamara. Also, uh, just want to give you an update on our good friend Ed Meyer. I went and visited him this week. Uh, he's still undergoing a, a series of tests and treatment uh, in the in the hospital. Uh, but the good thing is, if you're an odds player, <laughs> the doctors are giving them real good odds to beat this thing. So, uh, if you're one of the people that that listened last week, and uh, you know, uh, I asked that whatever you you believe in uh, karma or uh, you know uh, God or uh, good vibrations uh, send them Ed's way because uh, I just literally got a text from him that says he's doing good and uh, things are going in the positive direction so I mean I literally just popped up on my phone so uh, keep sending out those good vibrations and prayers uh, to our friend Ed Meyer and hopefully we'll be getting him back on the show here shortly so uh, Rick Capone Tom Lamar with us today 
keep the prayers coming with Ed. And meanwhile, something you don't have to pray about, something that's a guarantee, and that's our easy win forms. You go to winningponies.com. Of course, we cover the races from coast to coast, Canada to Florida. And uh, let's take a look at some of last week's results. Speaking of Florida, just yesterday, uh, we nailed a $1 Super 5 box for $2,379. Let's go in the other direction, up to Woodbine. And uh, we had a 20-cent pick five that paid $1,948. And out on the West Coast at Golden Gate, a $1 Super that paid two thousand two hundred and fifty-four. So uh, don't forget that the races are up and going at Tampa Bay now too. Full fields, turf racing, really a good card. I believe Andy Byer was quoted saying that it's his favorite track right now to make wagers at because of the, the large fields and the competitive fields that they have. And uh, next week, I believe we're going to get Les Instone on. He's doing a handicapping seminar. It's a big day at Tampa Bay on the 16th. So uh, Les Instone, that used to be uh, uh, the public handicapper for uh, at Keeneland, he would give seminars. He's going to be doing a seminar down at Tampa. So we're going to tap into him for the series of big races that are going on down there next Saturday on the 16th. Okay, uh, well, we lost a great guy in racing, and that is Charles Sella. Uh, He's the man that developed Oaklawn Park into one of the nation's top tracks. Every year when it comes around to Oaklawn time, you hear me talk about this place and uh, tell you that without a doubt, it is a place you've got to put on your bucket list. And it's all because of what this guy, Charles Sella, and now his family has carried on uh, in making that a fantastic place. Hot Springs is a great city. But boy, when there's live racing there, they just open up the doors to the people there. And uh, this guy just loved racing. He actually had a house on the property. And uh, he got, came up with the idea of the instant racing games uh, that has added so much to the purses there. Very innovative guy. Um, to celebrate uh, Oakland's 100th anniversary, uh, he offered a $5 million bonus to any horse who could sweep Oakland's Rebel Stakes and Arkansas Derby. And then win the Kentucky Derby. And uh, guess who took home a good check that year? It was none other than Smarty Jones, who almost won the Triple Crown, just got nipped by Birdstone in the Belmont Stakes. But uh, uh, Charles Sala, just a a fantastic, innovative guy. I believe he took over the reins of Oaklawn back in 1968, still owned by his family, as I stated earlier. And uh, really, it's just one of the most respectful, racing meets in America and uh, you know the innovations that he brought to it are the, the racing festival of the south uh, he helped bring full card interstate simulcasting to the state and of course again uh, the aforementioned instant racing which has now helped increase purses at Oaklawn's live meeting to nearly a half a million dollars a day that was reported in 2017 uh, he tried another one he offered five million to get Rachel Alexander and Zenyatta together but sad to say i forget exactly what the hitch was in the get along i've actually got playing cards that the uh tourist commission 
uh, put out for the great uh, race. And uh, <laughs> I guess they're a collector's item now because the race never did take place. But again, he, he was putting up $5 million uh, of his own money to bring those great horses together. So, uh, you know, the, the, the family's just saying how, how much he, you know, in enjoyed racing, enjoyed uh, bringing people to the track, and, and the pride that he had of uh, how well that uh, the track was operated. Um, you may recall that he also owned and raced uh, numerous uh, thoroughbreds. I think his top horse was the 95 Breeders' Cup turf winner, Northern Spur, who won the Eclipse Award that year as the champion grass horse. So uh, racing lost a real good guy right there. Well, as I sit here getting ready to do the show every week, I continually check the ticker and there's some things going on right now at the San Luis Rey Training Center due to that brush fire that's going out around uh, where they are in Bonsal, California. Uh, right now, they're saying that horses are running loose within the training facility to avoid burning barns. Um <clears throat> Trainer Clifford Sice said uh, horses have been released from their stalls to get them out, and they're all running loose down there. People have lost horses. Barns have burned down. It just happened so fast they had to do something, so they couldn't keep the horses lost up. We'll stay tuned uh, to this uh, story uh, because it uh, is, is really tragic. Well, we do know that uh, as much as vans are on their way to get the horses, uh, some horses uh, have uh, um met their maker, shall we say. So uh, they're trying to take the, the, the farms that are not near the fire are trying to take in as many horses as they can. And uh, so, you know, let's say prayers for the people down there. That fire is very, very serious. Um, okay, the George Wolf Award is one of the most esteemed awards because it's voted on by the jockeys. It can only be won once. It goes to a different jockey every year. And what it does is it recognizes those riders, not just for their wins, but for careers and their personal character uh, have earned esteem for them and the entire sport of racing. And it's named after the legendary jockey, George Wolf. Uh, so the, the finalists are uh, Alex Berzer, Javier Castellano, Jose Ferrer, Rodney Prescott, and Joe Talamo. Um, I'm blessed during my career to personally know uh, Alex Berzer and Rodney Prescott as both of them uh, rode at my hometown track there in uh, Cincinnati, uh, River Downs it was named at the time. And, uh, of course, uh, Gerzer, Berzer's brother Gary followed his footsteps and uh, sad to say, is now permanently disabled and is one of the uh, spokesmen for the permanently disabled jockeys fund. But uh, got to watch, uh, you know, Alex uh, come up. His parents worked on the backstretch. His mother was, was an agent. And uh, uh, yeah, Rodney Prescott, what a class act this guy is. He started galloping horses uh, right after he got out of high school, uh, worked as a groom, and he was 20 years old when I saw him break his maiden at River Downs, and now he's Hoosier Park's all-time leading rider, and that's where he notched his 2000th career. Just a class act, Rodney Prescott. I said, well, Rodney, what uh, what dro drove you to riding horses? I remember asking him in the jocks room when he first started. He said, John, I grew up on a dairy farm, so it's either riding horses or milking 
milking cows. <laughs> so we know what he's doing now. Good luck to all five of the nominees. And it uh, looks like Jose Ortiz, who uh, is certainly a top candidate for 2017 Eclipse Award-winning outstanding jockey in North America, looks like he's going to come back from his injury sooner than expected, had minor c- surgery two days ago in New York, and they believe that he's going to be back at the first of the year, and of course he's hoping to uh, get time to uh, get in shape for the $16 million Pegasus Cup, uh, where he hopes to compete on that rich day. And how about Tony Black? What a rider he is. Um, he didn't ride from September 2015 until this past July, and, and and now he's coming back, and he wants to get one more win uh, before calling it a career. So, uh, uh, Tony Black, we wish you the best, uh, you know, uh, to come back. He, he wants to close it out with uh, 5,210, though it's going to be tempting because he's awful close to Mark Guidry and Jacinto Vasquez, who Vasquez are only like 20 and 28 wins ahead of him at that number. But right now he's putting his number at 5,210. Um, let's uh, take a look at uh, last week. I want to thank our friend Matt Bernier for helping us out as uh, so many of the good races took place at Aqueduct. Uh, the Go for Wand Stakes uh, was won by Indulgent. Bit of an upset with a Karen McLaughlin trainee uh, owned by Godolphin. Very game, one by one. This is the son of Bernardini's first stakes win, the Grade 3 Go for Wand. Then it was the Grade 2 quarter million dollar Demoiselle. And the winner in there, the favorite, Wonder Godot. Uh, just ran fifth in the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile Phillies, and what was checked all through that track uh, race, uh, took over in the stretch and just dominated the field in in the Demoiselle with Johnny V in the saddle. Uh, in uh, the second spot was More Power, and third was Layla Noor. And then the Remsen, a horse that has graduated many a good horse, several horses that went on to win the Kentucky Derby. This was for two-year-old Colts. The winner in there, this would be a hunch bet for a lot of guys, Catholic Boy, paid 10-20, uh, drew clear in the stretch by four and three-quarter lengths. He's a son of more than ready, trained by Jonathan Thomas was making his first start at Aqueduct. This horse is raised at Gulfstream, Saratoga, Del Mar. Just missed by a length and a half in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Of course, this was a mile and eighth on the main track at Aqueduct. Um, in the uh, in the second spot was the favorite Avery Island, and third was Vouch. And then the final race we looked at, it's a big end. That's right, the grade one, $750,000 cigar mile. And the winner in here, as predicted by a lot of people, sharp as Tekka, uh, stalked the pace and pulled away, dominated by five and a quarter lengths. Got to be one of the most consistent horses in training. It's now won a million and a half uh, in money. 
with just 16 starts, trained by Jorge Navarro. Javier Castellano was in the saddle. In the second spot was Minor Biscuits, who put in a late rally at six furlongs in the Breeders' Cup Sprint, the uh, Cigar Mile, obviously a mile. And rallying from last was Practical Joke, who got up for the third spot. All right, well, I want to thank Matt Bernier for being our handicapper last week. That's a look at the races we handicapped here on Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart, and when we come back, we're going to be talking Talking to author and photographer Rick Capone. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Rick Capone. Haven't had him on the show since, I believe, 2014. He's a, a, a author, a photographer. He's a volunteer at Old Friends. Uh, I know he was uh, doing some sports editing for the Woodford Sun and Versailles, Kentucky, near Lexington. Uh, not 100% sure what he's doing now, but he's always been involved in sports. And then all of a sudden in 2009, when he visited Old Friend, he got a new love of his life, and that was old friends and the thoroughbreds that live there. Michael Blowen, knowing that he was a writer, approached him with the idea about writing a book. And so uh, the first book was History of Old Friends, A Home for Retired Thoroughbreds. But a lot has happened there over the last couple of years. So now we're celebrating old friends. Stories from Kentucky's Thoroughbred Retirement Farm. Rick Capone, welcome back again to Winning Ponies. Thank you, John. I appreciate it very much. Well, I appreciate your book very much. I'll tell you that. Uh, one of the first things that, uh, shall I say, warmed the cockles of my heart was that this book is dedicated to my good friend and the late, great writer, Bill Mooney. Yep. Um, he, he was a big part of Old Friends, for sure. Um, he was the official eulogist for a number of years, and... Um, um, I'm glad I was able to dedicate the book to him. I felt bad in one respect. He had uh, offered to write the uh, forward to the book, um, but I just couldn't get a draft to him fast enough before he became very ill. So um, I dedicated the book to him, and then I was very lucky to have Mary Simon, a three-time Eclipse award-winning writer, um, to do the, the forward for us. So, 
Um, it, it, it's, Bill was a great guy. I really enjoyed talking to him. I got to go visit him about three or four times before he passed away, and it was some very enjoyable visit. Yeah, you know, he kept his spirits up right till the end. And uh, what a lot of people don't know, uh, he won his last Eclipse Award. He's won several of them. For the story he did, it was really moving. Of course, Bill was such a detailed writer about Precisionist last day and the, his burial there at the farm. And he won the Eclipse Award. And uh, after he won the Eclipse Award, he said, this award isn't for me. This is for Michael Blowen and old friends. And your picture in the front of the book shows that the Eclipse Award was given and it stands on the mantle at the offices at Old Friends. That's pretty cool. Yep, it's, it's right there. Um, people can see it when they come. It's, uh, that was a great gift by Bill to do that for um, Old Friends and for Michael. A great man. I miss him. Well, uh, you know, you, you already stated at three-time Eclipse Award winner, Mary Simon. I have some of the books that she has written. And she really, you know, in a succinct way, you know, put together the, uh, the, the, the compliments about your book and about what people are about to read. And, uh, you know, the fact that you can go anywhere from, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame champion, Silver Charm, right down to zero for 100, zippy chippy at, yep. at, at old friends and she points that out uh but uh, you know she talks about your personal interviews uh your your, your anecdote filled pers- first person accounts and everything like that and then of course you, you you've got uh, you know your acknowledgements and uh you know you, you're you're really good at, at at spreading around the uh you know you know the uh appreciation for all the different people uh, that helped you because what you've got to understand is that old friends is no longer just a Georgetown. It's really kind of started to grow uh, between uh, cabin Creek in, in New York and at uh, Franklin County uh, down in, uh, in Kentucky. Tell us about the expansion of the farm. It has grown tremendously. I mean, um, when I wrote the first book, there was um, 90 some acres and that was it. And then all of a sudden it just exploded in terms of size. We're now over 220 acres, I think it is. Um, 170 horses just on the main farm. And then the expansion to uh, Cabin Creek has a number of great horses up there. And then at Kentucky Downs, there's uh, six down there, too. Um, and, and that's the expansion and, and the big-name horses that uh, came into Old Friends since the first book is what sold history press into allowing me to write the second book because they usually like 99.9 percent of the time they told me they do not do sequels or follow-ups but because of uh, the expansion and the growth and the big name horses especially you know the kentucky derby winner silver charm or emblem and game on dude um alphabet soup readers cup winner um that, that's why they allowed me to do the second book so i got very lucky there well, uh, you know, and it's great. Let's face it, you know, as an author, you want to grab them right away. Uh, chapter one is Silver Charm. Uh, you put together a, a very personal touch on that about the, 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 the cold, wet day that nobody noticed was cold and wet because everybody was so excited about uh, the van pulling uh, uh, up the uh, uh, the. Uh, is it Dr. Bear's uh, road there and uh, the description of him coming off and in your photo, very, very touching. And, uh, you know, just the fact that, you know, here's Michael Blowen that created this fantastic farm and literally Silver Charm was his favorite horse of all time. Yep. Yep. And then he finally showed up at the farm. It was just an amazing story. 
Um, and the fact Michael had a halter that uh, was the last halter that uh, Silver Charm was wearing before he left three chimneys and got to put it back on him was another touch that was so fun. And then, uh, and then, of course, there's the little mascot, Little Silver Charm. Getting to introduce both Silver Charms together was one of Michael's favorite things to do. So. <laughs> yeah, Little Silver Charm kind of runs the farm from what I've seen when I'm out there. Pretty much. He's got a little competition now. Um, we have a donkey, Gorgeous George. So there's a competition and cuteness going on at the farm now. <laughs> ah, well, that's good. The kids love that. That that That's good. That's really good. Well, um of course, it's interesting listening to uh, Michael's story about his love of Silver Charm and, uh, you know, how the whole thing, you know, uh, came, came to be uh, with the uh, Japanese uh, Blood Horse Breeders Association. Of course, I've been out there and watched Michael, uh, you know, feed him carrots. But it, it was pretty cool, the uh, emotional response that uh, Bob Baffert had when he visited him for the first time. Because, really, Silver Charm's the horse that put him over the top in thoroughbred racing. Yep. Um, um, when Bob got to visit him the week before the American Pharaoh started on his journey, um, it was, um, I thought, because I, I got a little, I was allowed to use Steve Haskins' words from um, Blood Horse article, um, that it, it was just a very emotional moment for him, and, and uh, Jill was there too, and, and Bodie, his son, and um, when Silver Charm does that run across the paddock, which I've seen myself, it's just stunning to watch. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And um it just started the journey. We have a thing called Old Friends, um, um, oh, I forgot, um, Good Luck Charms in a way. Um, that, you know, if, you, if you're having bad luck at the track or something like that, you visit Old Friends, do something good for Old Friends, and, and luck comes your way. And, you know, right after that, you know, American Pharaoh's story is history with him. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, um just uh, by coincidence, at the Phasic Tipton uh, auction uh, earlier this year, um, I got to meet Joe Steiner for the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I had uh, never met him before. I knew his wife, who's an outstanding uh, uh, artist, uh, equine artist, and they moved to Georgetown, as a matter of fact. And then I found yep. out that J- Joe was actually the, the, the only guy that worked Silver Charm before each Triple Crown race, and now he gets to go to the farm and see him. And visit, yep. And not only have they moved to Georgetown, they're actually living on a house on the outskirts of the farm. Um, so they're they're right there. They can get on a goat or a golf cart and just zip right on over to see them. <laughs> oh, that is great because I know when when I was talking to them, they were still where they were living. They weren't one hundred percent sure they wanted to stay there, and they were still kind of shopping around. So uh, Rick Capone, that is that's a great story. Now. What, what, also, what's interesting is, as we know, Silver Charms Triple Crown was broken up by a horse by the name of Touch Gold, who now mm. stares at him from a paddock ac- across yep. the pasture. And uh, you got a great story in there about uh, Chris McCarron and uh, how he rode him that day. And, you know, Chris is a smart guy. And he said the whole idea was you don't want to get up on Charismatic because – He'll pull away. If he knows you're there, you'll pull away. So yep. he, he was smart enough to take back and uh, and kind of disappear uh, from there a little bit. And then all of a sudden with the free house in the middle and silver charm uh, down on the rail, nailed him at the wire. But, it, it, you know, it's kind of neat that you, you reached out to so many of these people to get these very personal stories. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a uh, story by Chris there, and he also talked about um, Alphabet Soup's Breeder Cup win. 
Um, I got very lucky with uh, Laura Hillenbrand, the author of Seabiscuit, of course. Um, she did a great essay about uh, golf that she had posted online on Facebook, and she was kind enough to allow me to use that. Um, but one of the most interesting stories is about Leave Seattle, a guy named Don Verona. And I'll tell this one quick, but at the very first signing I had uh, for the first book, um, Don showed up. I didn't know him at the time. He, you know, he said hi to Michael, and then he introduced him to me. And Don said, wow, you know, I can't wait to read your book and, and see what you wrote about my favorite all-time horse of the farm, Leave Seattle. Well, that was one of those moments where you just want to sink under the table because when I had to start doing word cuts in the first book, the last horse I removed from the book to make word count was leave Seattle. <laughs> so I felt really bad. So as soon as they gave me the okay to do this book, that was the first story I wrote. And then Don was kind enough to write a really touching story about his time with leave Seattle. So um, between him and his story and Laura's, I mean, they're two of the best uh, stories that I enjoyed the most when doing the book. Now, um, you know, again, you, you can go there. I, I know War Emblem, the times I was down there, he still looks like he's on the muscle, you know. Uh, you know, he, he's uh, he, he's double fenced, so nobody gets up there and loses a finger or anything. But you really describe beautifully uh, the day he arrived on the farm and just, like, kind of took over in the middle of the paddock, like, I'm king of the world. I'm here. Yep. Yeah. He, he's something. Um, he has calmed down a little. I mean, Michael can actually feed him carrots by hand now, but he prefers them to have them in his bucket. <laughs> so, but, uh, uh, he's still a beautiful horse and, uh, he just looks like he's ready to start running again if he wanted to. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's a great story about uh, bringing, uh, charismatic back to the farm, but, uh, it's just so sad that, uh, he was only there for a brief period of time. Yes, um, it, it, he was a beautiful horse. I never even got to see him without the blanket on, because um, he was there in the winter, um, and um, it was it was just a shock to everybody when when they found him, you know, dead in the morning in the, in the stall, because um, he was he was just settling in. He had just started going out in the paddock all day long, and he was just an amazing amazing horse. Well, I, I always like comeback stories, and of course, uh, uh, they had a close call there uh, with a fire on the farm. Can you touch on that briefly? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, one morning, um, the, the the old barn that we had um, it got caught on fire. It looks like it was electrical, they determined, and it just burnt down. What was interesting is I was at home asleep, and my friend called and says, now, I don't want you to get nervous, but, and that's how I found out about that it was happening. Um, and I, I waited a while before, because I'm sure Michael was busy, so I, I waited, and then I called, and um, the two horses that were in there were saved, and then, oh, wow, the whole community, community of salt friends, supporters, and faith at Tipton came through with 50000 and within a couple months, brand new barn is up. It's absolutely gorgeous, state-of-the-art. And, yeah, uh, I understand. You couldn't set that on fire if you tried. <laughs> yeah, Michael said it's like 99.9% uh, fireproof, according to the builders. Um, they yeah, use all, all fireproof the, material. Yeah, it's great. And all the wires are buried and everything like that. Well, and, yep. and as I recall, I could be wrong. I'm going to check with my friend Tom Lamar on this. He's up next. Um, okay. I, we had donated a, because Michael always liked River Downs, and we donated when we tore the grandstand down. A, a row of River Downs uh, seats, and I believe he had them in that barn. And I remember when Tom was leaving Lexington, he's like, oh, man, am I going to have to, because Tom bought a row, too. And I said, no. well, 
you know, you might want to think about giving it to old friends. They lost theirs in the fire, and I think Tom was going to do that. Now, I know he's on the line right now listening to us, so we will find out in a few minutes what happened to Tom's seats uh, from right. uh, Okay, Rick, um, great book. Love it. Man, there's a lot there. There's a fantastic uh, color section in the middle. I mean, uh, this is a book for me because it not only has good horse stories, but it's got great photos. And that's always been one of my favorites. The thing is, if we're coming up in the holiday season. So uh, I want to tell my listeners, look around, grab a pen, grab a, a blank area of your racing form or whatever. And, and Rick, if you would uh, succinctly tell us, how people can obtain celebrating old friends stories from Kentucky's thoroughbred retirement farm. Absolutely, um, no problem. Um, they are available on the Old Friends website, oldfriendsequine.com. Um, they are also available at um, Amazon.com and at the HistoryPress.net. Um, for folks local in Kentucky, I just noticed they were at the uh, uh, Joseph Beth Bookstore the other day. They have my both of my books on a table called Best of the Bluegrass, which was really cool to see. So um, those places are where you can get it. And that's great. And you and Michael will be at the uh, Churchill Downs uh, Museum tomorrow, I think from 9.30 to 12.30? Correct. We'll be at the museum um, either in front of or right near the gift shop uh, doing book signing. All right, Rick. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, fantastic read. Uh, appreciate everything you've done for old friends. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best down the road. Stay in touch, okay? You got it. Thank you very much, John. All right. We've been talking with Rick Capone. Going to take a quick break here on Winning Ponies. And when we come back, we're going to talk to one of the best guys in the business, the one, the only, Tommy Ninefingers. Tom Lamara. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, a voice you've heard often, and that's Tom Lamara, uh, native of New Jersey. Of course, I got to know him when he moved uh, uh, to Lexington with his wife, Karen, uh, back in 94. 
2004 for 10 years. He was the news editor of the Blood Horse. Since then, he's kind of moved to the Mid-Atlantic region. And I got to talk to my people at the station because, Tom, they were supposed to update your resume. And uh, I thought you even sent me something. I sent it on to them. So uh, if you would, update your resume as far as uh, what's been happening since you left Lexington and you moved. uh, Is it Virginia or Maryland? Uh, Merle, no, I did send you stuff. Um, I'm working for the, uh, the Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association, the Maryland Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association, and the MJC. It's kind of like a, a, a three-pronged job. But we do live in Maryland, live in Laurel. so. And uh, we've been here since last, uh, right after Thanksgiving of last year, so more than a year now. Oh, uh, well, no, not quite a year, I guess. No, well, you, no, I'm sorry. We're past. Sorry, I'm losing track of time. We're past that. A little <laughs> bit more than a year. I don't know what time it is like. I don't know, you know, like what happened with those seats. There's so much stuff that we have that hasn't even been touched yet since we moved. I don't know. I have no idea where anything is. <laughs> I wasn't sure because I remember you saying it was after the fire. It's like, well, oh, maybe old friends would want these, you know. So I wasn't sure yeah. exactly where, where they went because uh, I know they weren't easy to haul. I just thought it would be a lot easier to leave them in Lexington than, than bring them all the way over there. But uh, they, they, I, I will say the new ownership underestimated how popular they would be because they only cut out a small section of the grandstand and sold the seats. They were sold mm-hmm. in like 24 hours, Tom. They could have sold the whole grandstand, I swear to God. Probably, you know? yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that they took the profits and sent it down uh, to old friends. You know, it's not like that was a moneymaker. It was just, you know, it was laborious. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, those things weren't light. But, man, they went like hotcakes because, uh, you know, the track, you know, it, you know, it, been there since 1925 and generations of of people had sat in those with their grandfather and father and you know so many people wanted a chunk of that to put in their man cave yeah and and you know what that that um you know well look the track is still there of course it's just not called river downs anymore we know that but you know what uh river downs was a very very popular racetrack and um you know, for those who were able, who or who who had the pleasure of hanging out there regularly, it truly was. And um, you know, um, something got lost in the uh, transition, I think. But you know, look, it's still there, still got the same nice view and everything. But there was something about that old grandstand and that tiki bar, and you know, um, you know. Um, it was just a cool place, and I think those who spent any time there would know that, and they still kind of miss it. So, Yeah, and they lost that really good PR guy they had there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, it, it, they still got Perry Utes riding there. Oh, Tom, he won, he won the riding title by something like 60 races. I saw. I and saw, he's yeah. 63 years old. Yes. Well, you know what? Um, you know he uh, he rides live horses, and he's still able to compete and ride horses well. So you know, you know, uh, more power to him. You know, when when he's ready to call it quits, he'll do it. But uh, that that's you know that's that doesn't look like you know it'll happen anytime soon. 
So. <laughs> Although <laughs> I er, earlier in the show too, I, I know a guy you're familiar with from the Philly area is uh, Tony Black has returned yeah. to ride because there's a milestone he wants to hit uh, before he yeah. calls it quits forever. Yeah, um, you know, um, the first time I went to a thoroughbred race uh, was at Liberty Bell Park when it had both breeds um, in 1972. First time I ever saw a thoroughbred race. And I'm pretty sure of this, that Tony Black was riding. 1972. It's amazing, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I remember he came in and he won the Cradle Stake one year on Devil's Honor, I believe was the name of the horse. And he's a horse that yeah, went on to win. Pennsylvania bred, I believe. Yeah. 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 He went on to, yeah. you know, he was like one of these horses that, uh, you know, cherry picked races. They'd spot mm-hmm. him at places where the big horses weren't going to be, and he ended up winning a whole lot of money. But one thing about Tony Black was I, I remember meeting him in the jocks room and. Tom, he had glasses on uh, th- thicker than the glass I'm holding here right now. <laughs> my mark. What do those guys do during the races? I guess contacts? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. But, yeah, yes. Um, whenever I have seen him, um, you know, not riding, he is he has, uh, worn glasses. So, uh, I don't know. But, a- yeah. Absolutely. Well, um Anyhow, how how are things going in the Mid Atlantic region right now? I just saw a really nice report from uh, your, your your buddy uh, Frank Angst, and I know that uh, you, you're, you're a guy that goes to uh, a window every now and then, and that's that. Since the tax changes, the handle is up something like six point five percent at the races. Uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, you know it. Probably has played a role, um, you know. But um, you know, the Breeders' Cup, uh, the Breeders' Cup reported a pretty good handle increase too over last year when it was also held in November, I believe. So, you know, it's probably just a combination of things. Um, you know, I, I try not to get too worked up, you know, with one month's numbers. Um, you know, but handle handle through November. I get yeah through November with one month left is up about one point four one point five percent, and you know it, it it's been pretty stagnant but you know one point five percent is good I'd like to see you know ten uh, percent or fifteen percent at some point because uh, you know that hasn't happened in a long time. Very so, encouraging. But yeah, you know, look, it's progress. Yeah, so a- a- absolutely. Now. Um you said you live in Laurel. So yes, we do. do you, can you walk to Laurel Park, or is I that cannot. just named <laughs> after the city? Uh, no, we live, uh, uh, well, we have a Laurel address. Uh, we live outside of Laurel. Um, we live uh, very close to a uh, national uh, wildlife research refuge. It's a nice. rather large tract of land between Laurel and Bowie. Actually, we're only about, shoot, I can get to the old Bowie Training Center in about 10 minutes. It's still there. It's just not used. Um, Uh So we're kind of like really between like, strangely between Laurel Park and the old Bowie racetrack. But it only takes me about maybe, maybe eight to 10 minutes to get to the track from here. So. 
I'm yeah. sure you've made that yeah. trip a few times. <laughs> Every, well, that's where my office is, yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, listen, uh, Matt Wider, our, our producers, tell me we got about two minutes. So, right. uh, okay. if you got your That's piece fine. in front of you. Fly through it. Fly through it. You're good. We'll, 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 we'll knock out the fourth race because I, I just wish there were, there were more horses in it. Um, it's, it's the longest of the races we're going to handicap tonight. This is hard to believe. At seven furlongs, it's the Maryland Juvenile Futurity. So uh, this is the boys' edition. It's so cool to see Edgar Prado back there because I do believe that's where he cut his teeth and got his early start was in that neck of the woods uh, to see him doing so well right now at Laurel. He's riding at a 23% clip Graham motion. I love the fact that he's using him as his go-to guy. I think some people think Edgar maybe is a little long in the tooth. I don't. And uh, this horse makes his maiden in the Maryland million nursery, $100,000 race. Doesn't break well, is eighth at the half-mile pole, and wins going away by two, and is going to get Lasix on Saturday. Um, I, You know, I, I just think he's the one to beat because that was six furlongs. We're going seven today. I think Clever Mind is, without a doubt, the horse to beat in this race. Yes. the uh, You know, the the win was pretty impressive visually. And, and um, you know, I mean, um, he... He was a first-time starter. There were some horses in there, um, you know. Uh, well, mainly Jamaican Don, who yes. who who I'm going to go with in this race. Um, I I think I think he he should he could have won uh, the first date dash, and he just got caught by a pretty nice horse uh, who came up the inside of him. I thought he was going to win the Maryland Million Nursery. Then he goes back to Mahoning Valley. Um, which is a very, very slow dead track. I hope people understand that. When you see the 113 and 4, it's that, that's, that's meaningless. And, um, uh, you know, but, um, you know, Jason DaCosta has a Maryland bread, so he's going to race him here for the money, you know, and that's a good thing. So I, kinda, I think it's between those two, Jamaican Don Clever Mind, and uh, still having fun, ran a really nice uh, race in his debut for Tim Keefe. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think that it was a great field, but he, once again, a visually impressive win. And, um, I think that he can, uh, certainly have an impact here, but I'm going to pick Jamaican Don. Okay. Well, he's going to be the early speed and I think clever minds is going to be coming at the end and run him down. We're talking with Tom Lamara here. We're talking about Laurel Park. We've got three more stakes on the card, all of them six furlong sprints. And there's something I want to ask him about the Maryland program. And we come back, you're listening to winning ponies. We're going to take a little bit of a break and we'll be right back with Tom Lamara. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com. 
the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Tom Lamara in the shadow of Laurel Park. And, uh, Tom, uh, I've got a question for you. Only one of the races we're going to do tonight are not restricted, and that will be the next race, the Willa on the Move, is not a Maryland restricted race. But I noticed that the other three races uh, state that the the races are for Maryland-bred slash Maryland-sired. Now, does that mean I can have a Kentucky bred, but if I bred to a Maryland sire, it's eligible for this race? Uh, wait a second. Uh, no. No. Uh, that, uh, a, a Kentucky bred by a Maryland sire would be eligible for the Maryland Million races or Maryland sired races. Are these also sired races or just bred? If they're sired just- races... I, I just know uh, in, in the condition. Maryland bred or Maryland sired? Yes, yes, that is correct. If right. you're Kentucky I, bred, I, yes. Okay, because uh, I, I do see that uh, even though that's the case, all these horses are Maryland bred. And until we get to this next race, uh, which is probably the, the toughest race to handicap, and that was the uh, Willa on the Move, might be tough because it's one of the bigger fields. Uh, but there's also a, a lot of lot of talent in there, and um, I'll be interested to get to get your your input. I mean, it, it, it's six furlongs, and you've got you've got horses that uh, you know have been running longer races that are that are turning back. A uh, lot of different angles. I see that uh, looks like Brian Hernandez is going to be in town. Correct me if I'm wrong. This horse is trained by Bill Denzig. Yes, that she guy is. once trained a horse for Tom Hamara that's set That's correct, track he record. did. He trained it. <laughs> yes, 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 multiple track records. <laughs> Actually, he still has a track record at Turfway, that horse, on the poly. <laughs> I thought he set a track yeah. record on the grass at uh, River Downs. Uh, River Downs, uh, Indiana Downs, and Turfway. Yes, he did. He did. Nice. So. Nice. Well, yeah. Bill's a, a great guy. I see that uh, this horse clipped fields and went down two races back and then came back in the 79,000 uh, Dream Supreme. And uh, after being bothered at the start, and he was favored that race, got beat a length and a quarter. So uh, i, I got to give uh, a, a little look to Ivy Bell. The other thing is, you know, I'm big on horses for course. you got this absolutely, I love the name, shipping in from Belmont. This horse, even though he's been running at uh, you know Aqueduct, Finger Lakes, Belmont, <laughs> you know Mahoney Valley, um, has never lost a race at Laurels. Three for three at Laurel, and then he's got this other young, uh, shall I say, developing horse that's back after a layoff in Miss Locust Point. 
uh, who, uh, you know, was away from the races since February, came back at Parks and ran a nice bang-up race uh, there. Uh, John Service, the trainer of that one. And this race is a stakes winner at Laurel. So it's kind of a mixed bag in here, Tom. Again, this is not a Maryland-restricted race. No, it's not. And, and, and you know, uh, I, you know it, it, it's really a cool race. Actually, um, I think absolutely is cross-centered in New York. Uh, I think, um, and, uh, you know, the peepees have no rider name, and I, I'm really wondering if she's going to show up. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I like Ivy Bell. Yes, yes. You know, I've known the trainer a long time. But, um, you know, she's, you know, um, she's had, really had trouble her last three starts and has a win in the second. Uh, you know, you can throw out the Clipteals, which, you know, which obviously is trouble. But uh, her race at Mountaineer, um, we all thought that when she broke that badly, had no shot. And, uh, you know, she... Uh, won the race. Um, I think she's got some quality, but, you know, there are horses here who have run really, really well at Laurel Park, including Miss, uh, Ms. Locust Point, who makes her second start off a long layoff. Um, you know, I think Ms. Ms. Locust Point drew really well to the outside um, because, you know, she's pretty quick. Shimmering Aspen um, started out really, really well. Her last two you know, not as great as they were, and, you know, I, if she shows the speed that she did early on, um, she could be a factor, and um, and then this horse line at best fit uh, switches from one uh, top local barn to, I believe, the leading trainer, uh, Claudio Gonzalez, and um, she may slip away at a decent price, although it seems that everything that Claudio runs gets hammered at the windows anymore, so... Uh, I'll give Ivy Bell a shot. I, I don't know, you know, she should she should be one of the favorites, but you know, this is an evenly matched field, so I don't know. Absolutely, well, it'll be very bad. If I don't have any odds that you can front of me, but uh, uh, it, it should be interesting. Those are uh, uh, a couple that come to mind again. I'm being a horse for course player. This uh, shimmering again. Seven starts at Laurel. Big favorite. A lot of people have bet a lot of money on this horse, but nine lifetime starts, three-year-old filly by Malibu Moon, uh, with, with five lifetime starts, seven starts this year with four wins. I, I think this horse could uh, could easily be a factor. What's interesting is it's only won six furlongs once, and it was a winner. Yes, and really, she had she had a lot of quality, um, you know. Um, that, that, uh, her race in the Charlestown Oaks, you know, which which was actually uh, her second time around two turns. She she hasn't done well around two turns. Her last third of the safely kept. Uh, she was further back than usual early. Made a nice move and flattened out. I, I you know um, you know she's she's worked well as she always has. I'll just be curious. I think where she is early in the race will be an indication uh, as to uh, how she runs and where she finishes. So we'll see where it goes. But, you know, Steve Hamilton's back on, and he knows her very, very well. So see what happens. Okay. Well, uh, Matt's telling me we only got three minutes. We've got two races, All right. so we'll speed handicap through those. Uh, the 7th furlong uh, Maryland Juvenile Philly Championship. 
Two of these horses raced in the Maryland Million Lassie, and the horse that won that race, ridden by Edgar Prado, uh, who's been on this horse. The horse has had four lifetime starts. Prado's been on three times. Every one of them a win. I'm thinking limited views the one to beat in here. She'll be a heavy favorite. You know, you have some horses moving up from uh, maiden wins and uh, claimers. Um, Limited view, I can't believe that she won last time. And if she has a good break, um, um, she's probably a worthy favorite. But uh, the grand motion trainee for Shet, um, who broke her maiden, actually was ridden twice by Edgar in her two starts. And uh, uh, Fergal Lynch is riding. But, um, you know, I think she drew well outside. She's coming out of a maiden race. But, you know, um, she may be of some quality, so I'm going to take a shot with Frechette over uh, Limited Butte. All right, be careful how you say that. Uh, let's go. We just got a <laughs> short time left. <laughs> and the Howard Bender Memorial, it, it's 75000 uh, but again, it is for, for the Maryland Dreads here. Uh, the horse that was second in this race last year, final prospect in there. The horse that was third last year, rocking on by is in here. I think if you throw out the race at Keeneland, it's the journey is a very dangerous horse, a horse that absolutely loves Laura. Yeah, uh, throw out the Keeneland race, um, you know, and um, the horse has worked, you know, has worked as uh, well as he normally does here at Laurel uh, for Mike Trombetta. I expect him to get some action. Um, uh, the horse that I like, who I think will be either on the lead or just off the lead, and, and, and his, his last couple races of Laurel is uh, Lewis Field. Jeff Ronco doesn't ship a whole lot of horses in from Charlestown. Um, this one, of course, is a Maryland bred, and, 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 um, and, and, you know, he absolutely fits here. And um, uh, I think uh, Lewis Field is poised to win his fourth in a row in a race with a lot of horses who just don't have a lot of early speed. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. It's a horse that uh, if you throw out its debut, the horse is undefeated. And turn the Lamar, it looks like uh, time for me to close All right. the show. I want to thank you. Say hi to Karen for me. I hope you're well, and yep. I really appreciate you being on the show tonight. All right, John. No problem. Thanks. All right, that was Tom Lamara. I want to uh, thank Rick Capone. And again, great holiday gift celebrating old friends' stories from Kentucky's thoroughbred retired and farm. I want to thank our producer, Matt Widener, for keeping me in line and remind you when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.